Welcome to today's edition of Pipeline Things. It's a fun episode where we go through the questions that we got through from the audience. Yep. Uh, I will say unprepared and uncensored. Uh, you get our little reactions. It's a fun episode. Uh, you gotta watch the whole thing because you need to find out who wins the arm wrestle in the episode. And really, that might be the biggest treat of all. But no, seriously, thank you to our audience. Thank you for great questions. and We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome to today's edition of Pipeline Things. I am your host, Thing 20, otherwise known as Rhett Dotson, and I'm here with my co-host, Thing 21, Thing 20 Fun, Mr. Christopher DeLeon. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you so much for listening to us. And again, he is not greater or lesser in prominence, but is lesser in stature, which I reinforce on every episode. Never seems to get old to me. You know, Man, I'm, I'm curious. So be after, curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So after a 5K, who's who actually has more stature? The guy not mm. laying on the ground puking or the guy laying on the ground puking? So if we're going to get facts straight, I didn't lay on the ground and puke. I immediately turned to the right and then puked, right? So when you're no leaning laying. over and puking, yeah, who's that's, taller? That's not laying. Or laying on the floor because <laughs> you can't breathe taller. Man, I tell you what, I wondered how I would I would hold up. Uh, Christopher is referring to the, the 5K at, at AGA. We were by no means speedy. It was a solid mm-hmm. 9.15 per mile, but yep. I haven't run, I don't know, since maybe January or February. And I held together, and then, man, we finished. We crossed the finish line. Just I turned, fell apart. And I just, I knew it. I was like, I'm done. I've had this happen before. I just didn't want to throw up all over the clients, so I threw up yeah. in, in, in sight of them. So, so apologies if you were there and you had to witness that. But so what came up? Was it Gus's fried chicken? Fried. Hot fried chicken? I'll tell you what, it's a lot better going down than what's going up, man. So you know, I one of the things I'll appreciate, you know, on our trip was uh, New Orleans. Yeah. Is that right? Or is it New Orleans? New Orleans. New Orleans. It's not, you, you don't, if you're going to do the, the new and the Orleans together, it's generally New Orleans. Like New Yes. Like you're gnawing on something because the food is amazing. Oh, now there you go. The food was amazing. I'll it tell you was. what. Um, I didn't know what you and Buddy would turn up for restaurants. Yeah. Uh, but it was good. So what was the name of that first restaurant again? What was it? I don't think I'm going to pronounce it right, but I'm going to say Gris Gris. G-R-I-S. G-R-I-S. Yeah, it's like so it's a free shout-out, free free advertising for that show Fantastic. on Pipeline Things. Yes, if you were down there. So it was amazing and sitting like uh sitting at that like oh, it was kind of like a bar, but right next to where the head chef was yeah. fixing all the food, so he just kept telling us all the dishes that were coming out. <laughs> was pretty fabulous. I, I still don't know about your pick with the whole fried redfish curled around the bed of rice. That was Fantastic. I mean and actually for you, it was potatoes. Oh, it was oh, potatoes? With, oh, with no, rice. rice. Yeah, it was rice, rice there oh, it was in the rice. middle. It was like the right. whole... So you can yeah, see it on yeah, the yeah, website. If you go to the, the Grease Grease website, you can see the, the whole fried fish curled around this bed of rice. And if you're not into eating whole fried fish, like head and all eyes staring yeah. at you out of the batter, that definitely didn't fly. But what was the most exciting thing outside of obviously AGA and interacting with everyone and all that fun stuff? Which, was, by the way, uh, AGA... Again, put on a good show. It was really nice. The second time they bounced back since COVID. Yeah. But this one was really well attended. It was good to see such a large attendance and so many of our clients out there. Yeah. 
you know, I kind of, I kind of feel the same thing. It's kind of like one, you went and like, I wonder who's going to be here, yeah. you know? But I also felt like that when, when, when we were going to dinner, right? It's like, there's so many good restaurants and you show up and you're like, what's this going to be like? And is the food going to be good? Do you have high expectations. You, well, I don't know if high expectations. No, I do for dinner. Oh, I was going to say it's just anticipation. No. I feel like anticipation was kind of the theme of being there, right? It's kind of like, you know, what's this going to be like? And yeah. are we going to enjoy it? And did we find the best beignets? So, I have this thing, if you've ever traveled with me, is I like to ask waiters eat, what the... Yeah, won't eat at any place that is accepted as the best by most of the locals. It has to find something That's, else. No, that is not true. Chris, is totally that true. That is not true. So, what I do is when I go to a restaurant, I ask the staff, hey, what's the most bought item and what's your favorite? And then I choose, not between those two, but then I'll yeah. pick. I like to get information. And so I did that the first time I went to Nolens, New Orleans, and I was like, I want to have some really good beignets. And I had been to Cafe Du Monde, and I think they're fantastic. I do. I do believe they're amazing. And uh, so I started walking around, and so finally one person did not say Cafe Du Monde. And I was like, then I have to go to this place. Mm. And there's a lot of beignet places in There New are a lot of beignet There's a places. lot of them. And they said, go to the restaurant and the Hotel Montilion. And I said... The fact that it's an outlier, I have to try it. And I have to admit, it is my opinion that they're better than Cafe du Monde. The, 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 per, the praline sauce was pretty good. I, I'll give it that. If you're there, I do, I do recommend that you try the beignets try at Hotel yeah. Monteleon. Not because it ends in Leon like Christopher de Leon, uh, <laughs> but because they're actually that good. So, you know, look, that whole uh, kind of bag of restaurants, trying yeah. new food in New Orleans, it's a lot like today's episode. So today... <laughs> We don't determine the topic. You, the audience out there, determines the topic for us. So it's going to get really entertaining today, I hope. This is a lot like going to the restaurants, the anticipation. Been, yes. Is, is and, it going to be good? In the interest of full disclosure, uh, I want the audience to know, we did not review these questions beforehand. So uh, we're just going to trade them off back and forth. Out of the numerous responses, we picked out. The ones that our Miss Producer picked Ms. out Producer the ones did. that she thought were best for us. So this is her bag of surprises. Yeah. So if you don't like this episode, you should blame Miss <laughs> <Ms>. Producer. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go. Chris, are you ready for question number one? I get question number one. Oh, I, get I get to, to ask Do I get to read it? I get to ask it to you. Oh, if, right. if it turns out I'm better at answering, I guess you can pass okay. to me. Okay. So here we go. All right. In the last episode, I actually am not sure okay, which last okay. episode was. That's okay. But Keep let's going. see. Keep going. Determining failure location with the use of IMU and how do you know your data is accurate when discussing AGMs, it was mentioned that the error in the line increases, error in error, the line, yeah. increases as the markers are further apart. Yep. Is the error that is used to determine where the curvature or unintentionally bit segment is causing strain on the pipeline or is the error used as a lead or a signal to calculate the error for you to analyze? Hello, Christopher. Oh, this is from this is from your mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Miss <laughs> <laughs> producer, you're clever. Hello, oh, you were Christopher's clever. Mom. So I guess we know that mom is listening to the podcast. Yeah. So I think <laughs> what your mom is getting at is I'm going to rephrase her question sure. a little bit. Uh, yeah, which thanks is, towards the beginning. Yeah. yeah. What, what is when we talk about the error in IMU? Uh, what are we physically talking about? And, and I actually have a good yep. follow-up question on that I got this week. So Cool. So I, I, I'm going to take this the direction that I want to take it in. And obviously, you're the IMU expert. But you know, I think one of the topics that we honed in was you want to understand what you're trying to achieve with the IMU. 
And so one is its geospatial location, which is where AGMs tie in, above ground markers. And uh, we also actually had a lot of discussions about this in, in its application, not onshore, but offshore, yes. right? And so offshore, you have different challenges in finding reference points, which is the intent of an AGM. And so when we talk about error, in an IMU system for geospatial locations, absolutely the location of the AGM relative to what you're trying to find or where you're trying to, to dig or investigate, um, it is gonna be um, directly correlated to the distance between that point on the pipeline or somewhere on the planet Earth and where your nearest reference is. Right. And ideally, the closer you are to it, the more accurate you will be, um, and the further you are, then the broader it can get. Now, the idea is, I think the takeaway is this though, is it's, if you can keep a relative distance consistent between markers and markers, then you'll normally end up being within plus or minus a couple of meters, which is good enough unless you're in an urban area yep. and now you're digging up concrete everywhere. So, you know, mom, I'll try and take a, a pass on this one too. So I think what it helped you understand that when we talk about the error, uh, we use the geospatial cause we use that word and I'm not sure how much a non-pipeliner yep. would know that, uh, that tells the operator where to go dig. So if I gave you the literal Latin launch coordinates of a pipeline, Latin longitude, you could take yep. your phone out there, you go stand above it, find it. And that's where we're telling you, you need to be. Yep. If the AGMs are off, then where we're telling you to be is off. So you might go stand there, but where you actually should be is 15 or 20 foot in a different direction. That's what we mean when we talk about error. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a tip, mom. So if I'm not mistaken, I think we said that there is an enterprise pipeline that runs near the house. So every time you see a, a field crew say, hey, make sure you put an AGM right here. Yeah. <laughs> That way, they can always correlate with. They know very, exactly, they know where, that exactly is. where it is and what features are nearest to it, so that they know how to find if there is anything right. there. Right, um, and that that though that error is different than the error that would come into bending strain, yep. which is the relative position. The AGMs don't affect that relative position and don't in effect uh, don't have an impact on bending strain. Yep. But a good question I got this week when I was working um, from someone else uh, that we see quite common is we saw challenges in the lateral coordinates, mm -hmm. but not challenges in the vertical coordinates. And the question I got is, how is it possible yep. for the lateral coordinates to be affected and the vertical coordinates not? And there's a couple of reasons I want to bring to the table on that. Yep. Um, one is that the lateral accuracy of the pipeline is actually easier to determine than the vertical. The vertical, they actually have to determine the top of line measurement to the pipe. And so believe, you know, again, if, if the person who's setting your AGM records the Latin long of that AGM correct, but then yep. takes the vertical elevation as the elevation of the pipeline, yeah. then your vertical elevation of the pipeline can be off, off right by an offset which and is going to be hard to back check right because we yes, don't know we don't difficult. know what the spacing was from yep. the top of pipe and grade mm -hmm. or you know the the top level of dirt where right. the, the 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 person is walking so and, and you know even further than that if you're requesting depth to center line of the pipe and yep. they give you depth to the top, top. of the pipe or covered depth yep. Large diameter, 36-inch pipelines, yeah, that can have a big a impact. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I've seen commonly, Chris, uh, is, again, we rely on the pitch and the azimuth, which are separate heading angles when we calculate bending strain. Yeah. It's not uncommon for one of those to have be more impacted by noise or deviations than another one, such that yeah. we might be able to resolve the vertical bending strains or the vertical position better than we can the horizontal because of something there. So, yeah. all right, question two. Do I get to, over go? to you? Yeah, you read it, and I have no idea. Who hey, it is. mom, love you. Thanks for thank you, thanks for watching mom. the podcast. And and by the way, if your parents, when they text you, aren't using the one hundred symbol, like, have a talk. Mom, love the love the one hundred. 
Okay, so you actually, you can flip over okay. the page. Got it. I didn't realize. Here we go. This producer printed them back in front. Way to save trees. Okay. Um, question. Uh, thing 20, thing 21. Loving the banter, guys. Keep it up. I thought we high five. Yeah, we, we do high five. For those of you who aren't watching the YouTube, I went for a fist bump because we're still post COVID. When thinking, Chris went high five. It was missed. We don't miss like that that often. It was awkward. Oh, You're not on your game today. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how does it feel working as independent consultants? Uh, have you found that most operators appreciate your opinion and guidance even more if possible? Ooh. Great this question. Is a great this question is a for fantastic me, question. actually. <laughs> Incidentally, I'm really happy that I, I got that mm. one. Um, High five to you, buddy. Yeah, this, Air five. this question I really enjoy. So I've been an independent consultant before, and then I went to, to Rosen. And I, I like to say I very much thought of myself as an independent consultant yep. there, although I. I I can understand how the, the opinion and the image of me in the industry would have shifted being tied to an ILI vendor. And obviously at ADV, I'm, I'm completely independent with ties to no one. Yeah. Uh, I do think that- You have ties to me. How dare you say that? Chris, I am tied to you. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Um, absolutely. So I do think uh, that, that with some operators and with some projects in, important, uh, in particular, it is actually very important to be yep. independent. And I think there are certain operators who value that, right? Um, to, to, to be frank, uh, I think we've seen that um, to some extent uh, on, on the crack side. There are some operators who just simply, and even I would say 1176 kind of reflects that when it yeah. says that the operator shouldn't, or the vendor shouldn't determine the classification. Of the crack-like Of the crack-like yeah. indication, yes. So there are projects like that where it's very clearly in our benefit to be um, independent. Uh, I will say when I went to Rosen, one thing, and I, I spoke with, with Chris and Chris Yoxel when I went there, as I said, if I can't be objective and I can't be. But Chris, open, you mean me, right? Yeah, well, Chris That's and right. Chris Yoxel. Okay. And Christopher and yeah. Chris Yoxel. Okay. Just make sure. And you There's know, when Chris I came there, there, it's true. Uh, I was very clear that if I can't be objective and yeah. honest to the engineering, this will never work. Yeah. And so I think even when I was at Rosen, I was able to do that. Uh, again, but for some reasons, you know, if, 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 an, if, a, if an operator runs into a problem where they think the ILI tool is potentially at fault, it's just unlikely that you're going to get that work. Or if they, you come on to a failure analysis where you think the ILI tool is at fault, it's unlikely you're going to get that being at the ILI vendor, yeah. right? Whereas here, I don't think there's any restrictions on that. Yeah. So. Um, I'll start by saying thank you for that question. I mean, th this is a great, great question. Um, my perspective is, um, and this is to the audience, this isn't going to be so broad, this is going to be about you and me, right? Is it's, um, our, our former employer, I mean, it's no secret that this is published on LinkedIn, so you guys can look up our resumes. I mean, we both yep. worked at, at Rosen. And I think um, what's important for our, our audience and our customers to understand is it's one of the big things that Rhett and I took away was this concept of an ILI system. And so you guys yes. hear me say that all the time, right? And, and it, that, that is the most important part. So when we, when we can serve you as a consultant, our tactic is less about a brand and more about a philosophy, right? Or a design. And that design being what is the physical constraints of the tool, right? Yeah. What is the measurement principle is what you guys will always hear me say, or the principle of physics that's used to measure or detect something. And then how was that data translated into a performance specification that has to do with probability of detection, probability of identification, accuracy of sizing, and then what does that mean for an ability to make a decision as it relates to pipeline integrity? And so I, I think that's the big message. And, and I, I have to just give thanks 
you know, to both obviously God and, and, and Rosen for the experience and the opportunity they gave us. Yeah. Because I mean, we got to see all kinds of technologies, I do agree. right? And, yes. and the research that's done, it just, it gave us exposure to mm-hmm. how ILI can work, where it can struggle, yep. you know, finding value in, in both of those circumstances. And so from a, a value to operator, that was the second question is my poll is so far, I think, um, one, you know, I think we're pretty transparent about kind of our thoughts and, and our line of personal integrity of, you know, what we yeah. communicate and what we don't, 100%. but also, you know, them appreciating our style of, of how we approach problems. I, I would say, I do think not just customers from a operator perspective, but even like B to B right. Yeah. Business to business on on being able to serve not just operators but but also other businesses and and, and stakeholders yeah i'll say one last thing on, on this point because it is interesting right you know so i went from um a company of probably anywhere from 300 to 500 while i was there to rosen who's in the three to five thousand to yeah. <laughs> thing 20 and thing 21 Woo! right one really big difference is on this side where I'm at now, you know, yeah. there's no protection of a, of a massive corporation above you. Oh, yeah. Uh, the work does not come in on the back of the tool. Yeah. Uh, we have to hustle really hard to get clients' businesses. And, yeah. and I will say, you know, that's why we have the bell. Every yeah. PO matters to us. Yeah. And, and I will say it brings the awareness and appreciation of projects and clients is very very much real to us where it puts food on the table now so yeah. that aspect i kind of enjoy again because it's easy to lose sight of that as you get big and so it's good to be small and kind of have that freedom again so yeah and and it's fun so just another shout out to those of you that that have leaned into to think 20 and think 21 and and hopefully we're, we're serving you guys well and yeah, great question. What's next? This one. I'm I'm up now. You're like, up. I'm, I got my adrenaline going. Good this job. This might be a good one for the break, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna play this one out. <laughs> Who wins in an arm wrestle? Oh! Or let's go. Whoever is more confident, I would like you to prove this on the air. <laughs> if you're not watching I have YouTube, a, I have a feeling I know who asked this. This question. might be the Where time. Is this? So don't don't reveal. This. Oh! We're going to go. Good job. And then we're going to cut to commercial break after number three. Are you ready for this? Oh, my good God. So. Right. Is the producer going to say go? Ready, set, go. <laughs> and we're going to cut to break. Hi, I'm Kara Turner. I am the managing director and co-founder of ADV Marketing. We get the honor of working with Rhett and Christopher to produce this crazy podcast and also work with them on any other initiatives that they have when it comes to marketing. And if you know them or are listening to this podcast, you know that it gets pretty crazy around here. So we have a lot of fun with them. ADV Marketing is a full-service business-to-business marketing agency. Um, We specialize in service companies and technology companies. So if you are enjoying listening to this podcast and the fun that they're having, reach out to us and see how we can make your marketing fun. All right, welcome back to this episode of Pipeline Things. Thank you so, always so glad to hear from our sponsors, ADV Marketing. You guys are amazing. You're coming back. We finished up that last question uh, where Chris uh, conclusively demonstrated his <laughs> physical prowess. I mean, that's got to feel pretty good for you. That's the second time in as many weeks. I mean, you beat me running. You got laid down. And Wow. <laughs> I, um... 
This is hard. Look, this let, is let's be fun. real. I've we we know this. that if that that if we legitimately trained for running, biking, or swimming, you would very likely win. So I'll, I'll give you that credit. You know, but I feel like my son lost their first playoff game in baseball this week. I lost in arm wrestling, and I threw up all over myself at AGA running. I, yeah, I, it's. It can. It just comes but in threes. You, but, Is it uphill but, from here? But, but you're still winning in life. You got. You got to zoom out, buddy. You got. You got to zoom out. All right. Next question. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Next question. Uh, with geohazards seemin se seemingly becoming more prevalent due to extreme weather and climate change, what new technologies do you see coming that help operators manage those threats? Mm. Uh, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, you don't have to mention INSAR, but I'm truly curious about any technology. Right. That's good. That's a, that's a good question. So um, I, I hit on two things. Um, I don't want to enter into the debate about why they're happening. I do think it's interesting that the awareness of geohazards is so much greater now. Um, and I think it's the dissemination of information so much faster. I think ingress on the pipelines and the awareness that they're there yeah. is much greater. Um, and so, uh, and I think there is a, a part of it that I think a lot of these are time-based and, and the geohazards in particular yeah. maybe have a longer, uh, just a longer lead time. I see some really cool technologies, uh, that are coming out, right? And, and I've seen a few that, to be honest, haven't panned out so well. Um, so, you know, a couple of years back, there was, there was the promise of using uh, large standoff magnetometry. Uh, where they walked over the pipeline and they could physically measure in theory the amount of strain in the pipeline. I, I don't think that panned out real well. Mm. Um, not as a strain measurement system. There are other applications where it may and I'll talk about those uh, as well. Um, I think one of the things that's been really cool is the advent of both LIDAR and, and yes I would say uh, SAR which is satellite aperture radar, right? So LIDAR uh, works primarily by being captured with, you know, uh, lasers and reflections, drones yep. flying, I'd say, at a visible height, right? Yep. Very accurate profile of the ground. It's been very interesting to see how that's been integrated yep. into most uh, geohazard integrity management programs. I think the, the challenge there is for that data to be collected on a frequency and pros pros processed on a frequency that permits it to be used uh, I'd say it's really something closer like to a monitoring, uh, almost monitoring, because yep. it's not there. I would say that the SAR, uh, the, the satellite aperture radar, I, I am really excited by what I see from a few people. I think that that's actually starting to gain steam again. I first heard about SAR mm -hmm. back in 2009, 10, 11 from SoCal. Yep. And at the time, it was really expensive and pretty infrequently used. Um, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to be honest, I think I got a bit of a, a, a name and a rap at that point in time that they're kind of fighting against now. Because now it seems like there's actually more satellites. The data was made freely available, which is yep. allowing really clever people to do things with that data that they weren't able to do before. Um, so I think uh, SAR appears to have some very unique advantages in locations where LIDAR may not. I think, again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that over the next couple of years as, as they, they figure out how to use that. I think beyond that, there's some interesting questions about drones. And so, you know, going back to that LSM technology, which yeah. I also feel kind of got a bad rap. Uh, there's potential to use LSM now integrated for line 
location possibilities where you could go and inspect a geohazard on the right of way that either may not be pickable or where you may not know the impact of the pipeline and potentially look at calculating strain for like a non-pickable segment using the the line location capabilities from LSM. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see where that goes too uh, and, and what will happen there. That, that's pretty interesting stuff. And so, um, again, I don't know what the future holds yeah. for those, but it is interesting to see that continue to develop. I'll, um, I'll speak to this maybe from a different vantage point, which is why I think we complement each other so we well. We do. So if we think about this as a process, right? So if we think about integrity management, we're thinking about keeping the pipe round, sound, and in the ground, right? And we have these generalized nine threat categories, right? And so when you think of integrity management, often what you think of is you need to assess for the threats that you think you have, and you're, you're obviously monitoring for the others to see when you need to activate them and, and start managing them. And, and to assess it, you, you normally want to try to leverage two concepts. How do I collect data on that threat? And then how do I want to calculate like a time to failure and or risk? And so often, you know, if you think about a threat like geohazards, let me bring this in, is it's, you know, part of being an integrity management plan is thinking, how am I going to collect data on this? And so what are the sources of that? And so th that's really where, where this question leans into. It's really that technology component. And I think that's the now, yeah. right? We need to start gathering data on this threat. And we'll see that in two buckets, right? One is physically on the line, potentially, right? So something like ILI and IMU or strain gauges, those type ideas, um, or fiber optics. Um, and then another is it's more of like the global or macro data, right? So we know that there's public databases out there about soil, rain, uh, uh, rain, um, rain volume, um, uh, land movement, fault lines. Yep. We have all these data, so that's more macro. And so what I would say future technologies are, customers are gonna wanna start leveraging analytic techniques, not just deterministic techniques, yeah. right? Like determining what is on the pipeline around the pipe of a more of a data integration process, which is also an integrity management, yeah. right? And so I, I do believe we'll start seeing some things like um, um, types of AI. I'm gonna go with the broader AI, whether that's machine learning or, or other types of AI, but I do see that becoming more relevant because public sharing of information is becoming more and more 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 available you know and, and actually want to speak about that because while we're on the geohazard kick for a moment uh since the last time we did the geohazard episode it was really interesting um most people in the industry what's interesting i don't know how many people are actually aware of the failure that marathon experienced what's interesting is when we were in west virginia i think for the first Country time roads. ever yes take me home to the you place where i belong West, okay, so when we were there in West Virginia, uh, what was interesting is, is Marathon did a, uh, a very public, in conjunction with API and yep. FEMSA, a very public presentation, in, in, very close to the time that they had an incident uh, around uh, what happened in that in that yeah. rupture. And it's interesting, I think a lot of, maybe more of the liquid operators might have had more exposure, I think, than the gas operators yeah. to that. But it was the first Possibly. time I recall seeing in such close proximity to the time of the incident, an operator coming forth and saying, this is what happened, this is what we know at the time. Yeah. This is the data we have, yes. this is what we did. Yep. And it was, it, it was um, and their geohazards program, by virtue of what they presented, I mean, th they were running bending strain, they were doing some of that stuff. Yeah, there was a program in place. There was a program in place, they exactly. weren't starting. Yep. And, and the geohazards still found them, yep. uh, which was surprising. I think, you know, it's been interesting to, to see reactions to that. I think that the awareness of this threat is, is only gonna continue to grow. I think, uh, 
I think if I were to stack issues that operators are dealing with right now, the, the regulatory concerns around MVP and some of the cracking, some of the stuff that comes out as a result of the updated gas rule, I'd say geohazards is number two on there for me, yeah. where I think of, 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 of issues that keep operators up at night. What do you think? Let, let's call it, um, I mean, we were just at AGA and we saw we saw the NTSB's most wanted list, right? So I'm, I'm gonna jump on that a little bit. Oh wait, it's I this, don't remember this, where was it's, this? It's, it's, it's this at AGA. It was one of these concepts, you know, it, roughly every year the NTSB comes out with the most wanted list, like mm. things to focus in and lean in on, right? And so this year it's leak detection um, as an example. But here I, I, I would try to use that, that idea of oh. if you look at the new regulations, it's just creating a focus on newer threats. Yeah. Not that those aren't more relevant or less relevant, <coughs> that others aren't as relevant. It's more, you know... If we call it, you know, IMP 1.0, Integrity Management 1.0, it was around, let's just get a baseline. Let's start managing the integrity of our pipelines, yeah. right? And so if we call this IMP 2.0, it's, you keep, you've done a good job on that stuff. Now let's focus on new threats. And that mm -hmm. is part of integrity management. And that is Absolutely. the philosophy of our U.S. regulation. It's start somewhere and have a continuous improvement loop. So I just say it's maybe not that it's more prevalent but rather more it's time to start expanding our focus to other threats yeah. and you know it was interesting we, we did shout out to ADV marketing they put a poll up on the geohazards whether or not operators find geohazards or geohazards find operators yeah. and the results from that poll were pretty heavily in favor of the geohazard finding the operator you yeah. know so again I think you know my objective hopefully in my lifetime we'll see that trend reverse itself yeah. uh, and I think that's going to happen through new technologies and, and the integration of existing technologies into our IMPs for sure yeah all right so, this last question next question as we wrap up I'm going to ask you to keep right. it tame oh boy I, I, I glanced at it real quick oh because you get to read it that's what that means yep all right Chris all right this is borderline borderline inappropriate all right how long have the two of you been dating and was it love at first sight <laughs> Shall you go first or shall I? Um, how real do we want to get? You know, I was going to say, I, I, I actually can recall uh, many of our first interactions and the first time I saw you is actually when I was still working at Stress. So, I, I'm, I'm going to get super real and he's not ready for this. Oh, no. All right. When we were at AGA. Are you going to make me tear oh, up? Oh, dude, no. No, no. I'm, I'm going to be real about a storyline about how it was love at first sight. You ready? Okay, go. Okay. We were at AGA. What acronym came up in our discussion that was relevant that you have to do with? Come on, we're sitting there at AGA and someone says a three-letter acronym and, and you spoke up. This is real. Come and on. That wasn't ADV? Hold on. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I don't remember. <gasps> we talk about a lot of acronyms. Our, our words. VIV. Oh, yes. I remember the conversation around VIV. VIV. Okay. okay. You ready? All right. The first time I saw you was in a conference room, and guess what you began to talk about? Oh my gosh, VIV? Was this v IPC of like 2014 or v something? VIV, that is the first actual time I remember actually recognizing you in a crowd of people. Wow. You were so passionate, and you just, you leaned into the table, and you spoke wow. with authority, and I was like, this guy must know his stuff. So it was, it was an exemplar of your big personality. Wow. So fast forward probably two years, you know the 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 dent JIP Might that we did with you up. guys, uh, Rosen and and at the time your former employer Stress, 
And so after we, we worked with you, I, I remember I was in a strategic meeting uh, with different leaders at, at Rosen, and they were like, all right, we're going to stand up this integrity consulting. Um, it's kind of like a draft, right? It's like, hey, who are your, your top three drafts? And uh, fortunately, of the top three, I did get to interview two of them. And guess who was guess who was somebody who was on that list, buddy? I had my oh, eyes on you a long time ago. God, so your I name have... was on the list. So guess what happened when you approached me at, at PPIM? No, I do remember PPIM. So you, you tell me about PPIM. How, what was your experience? Oh, so, you know, I mean, I had an idea of what I wanted when I was going to leave Stress and what I thought I was going to get going to Rosen. To be honest, I do remember approaching you. I can't say the words you said on air because <laughs> it's a family-friendly show, but I remember, walking, <laughs> I remember walking up to you and saying, hey, I want to chat with you about what I see in opportunity yeah and you were like i remember your reaction being really huge um you know chris i don't think i knew you well enough it wasn't until i got to work with you uh that i i, I really uh to be honest realized how well we complemented each other and that was the fun thing so I, it's yeah. funny because people would talk to me and they'd be like how do you like being at rosen how do you like working with christopher and a couple of people would always ask me like what's it like to have a boss who's younger than you and i was like i don't even care yeah. about that like Chris's gifts and what he's talented at are completely different than mine, right? And we work really well together. So for me, I think from the moment we started working together, I mean, it took us a little while to find, you know, what song yeah. we were dancing to at Rosen. But once we did, it gave us the ability to have a lot of fun and a lot yeah. of trust. And so, I mean, my advice from the audience is I'll take that from, from that question into actually making practical advice, with, which is I think there's two things in life. You need to enjoy what you do. And I think you need to enjoy who you do it with. And yeah. as I've come to learn things about myself, I have to be a part of a team yeah. and following people I can believe in. Uh, a lot of times I find myself in a leadership position, but being a good leader also means knowing when to follow. And a lot of times, man, yeah. the, the vision in which you provide is very easy for me to get in line behind. And, and for me, I would say um, it has to feel like you're part of a team. Yeah, absolutely. Man. You know, if, if, if you're in the ditch and there's bullets flying everywhere, you got to be with people that you enjoy. So that, that's another tip. So if you say, you know, how long we've we been dating, I would say it's important to know who you want to work with. You know, that's important. You got to know who, who your crew is and who you're running with. So, so to be specific to the question, I, I would say, I think my, I put my eyes on you in 2014 and, uh, and I was creeping on you for what? So that would have been three, oh my gosh. three years. Oh my gosh. Oh, Th that would have been note, about three years. On that note, look, <laughs> sincerely want to thank the audience for your questions. Um, please keep them coming. I want to say we're going to do this periodically. Yeah, we need to do this more often. We do. I like this. But this is not the only time. You can leave us comments on LinkedIn underneath the episode. We're happy to take them. You can even send us a direct link via LinkedIn and respond to that. As we leave, we're going to part one more time with another. Oh, now we're going to go another, lefty? Yeah, we have to go lefty. Oh, I have to see no. Of the table. No, I'm actually joking. Okay. I want to thank all you guys for joining us today. I am your host, Thing 20, my co-host, Thing 21. This bag of fun episodes. You'll never know what you're going to get. Random questions has been great. Thank you so much. We'll see you in two weeks.